Our passage this morning is from uh, the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, or uh, to my British friends, 1 Samuel. Yeah, we actually do say that in the UK, 1 Samuel, 1 Corinthians, but seeing as we're in the good old US of A, 1 Samuel. And we're going to be looking at chapter 16. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn there with me, chapter 16. Um, and I want to encourage you, you know, when you, when you tune in for these live streams, uh, have your Bible with you. Because we're going, to be, we're going to be looking at the Word. You know, this is central to what we do as followers of Jesus. Um, so 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. 1 through 13. So let's, let's read together. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? since I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. <clears throat> Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, and we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent him and brought him. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. And from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Well, I, I know it's been a, a difficult week for many of us um, as more restrictions go into place. Um, you know, no, the pubs are closed, the restaurants are closed, the gyms are closed, no church gatherings, um, no more than 25 people allowed to be gathered anywhere. Um, it's been a tough week and, and we're all adjusting. But as if all that wasn't bad enough. I mean, if that, as if that wasn't bad news enough, Tom Brady is leaving the New England Patriots. Tom, Bra Tom Brady, he's leaving the New England Patriots. I mean, we, uh, folks, I think we could well be in the end times. Tom Brady is leaving 
the New England Patriots. I mean, people need to check in on Massachusetts, on New England, right? I mean, this is getting serious. But, you know, the funny thing is, when I think about Tom Brady, I actually think about the parallels with this story that we read today. Um, because he was an underdog. When he was in college, he was a college athlete, he really wasn't getting much attention. Nobody ever guessed what he would turn into. And in fact, he was, um, he was the 199th pick in the NFL draft. And I think it was either 99 or 2000. He was kind of like fourth on the, the rotation for the Pats as a quarterback. You know, he was just, nobody saw the potential. And yet, from this humble beginning, he turned into what is arguably the greatest quarterback that the sport's ever seen. But he came from these, these humble beginnings. And there's a real parallel, I think, here with when we look at David. You know, remember, who's, you know, David, he is the greatest king that Israel has ever seen, other than Jesus, of course. And he started off as this, as this humble uh, shepherd boy. So let's delve into this passage a little bit. And the first thing I want to do is I want to set up a little bit of, of context for you. You know, I'm, I'm big on context. It's so important to understanding scripture. It's no good just pulling a verse or two out of here if you don't understand the context. So the Lord begins by asking Samuel, he says, how long are you going to keep grieving over Saul? Who's Saul? Well, Saul is the present king of Israel. He's the present king. And he's lost favor with the Lord because essentially he has not been obeying and doing what the Lord has told him to do. And so he's, he's been disobedient. And because of that, he's lost the favor of the Lord. And in fact, if we had kept reading in chapter 16 that we just did, the next verse tells us that the spirit of the Lord had left Samuel. Uh, sorry, not Samuel, Saul. It had left Saul. So the Lord's favor was, was no longer on him. And the Lord has decided, he's saying, it is time for a new king. And he's telling Samuel that it's time to stop grieving for Saul and to act. And you know what? This, this, this is a reminder to us that, that there is a time to grieve. There is a time to, to weep and mourn the losses in our life. But there is also a time when the Lord wants us to move on from our grief because he has new plans for us and what we have to be careful about is that we do not let our grief overshadow the plans that God has for us it's very easy for that to happen where we get trapped in this place of grief and we miss what the Lord's next plans are for us grief is not a permanent state that the Lord wants us to be in it's so important grief is not a permanent state that the Lord wants to see his followers in so instead, God says to Samuel, he says, I have plans for you. It's time to act. And he tells him to fill his own horn with oil. This would uh, be the oil that he would use to anoint. And he says, I want you to go to Bethlehem to the house of Jesse, where he's going to show Samuel who the next king of Israel is. Now, Samuel's worried about this because he's, he's worried about what is Saul going to think. So again, a little bit more context. Samuel is he is the, the greatest prophet in Israel right now. He is, he's the, the major prophet of the land. He's an advisor to the king. Um, and if Samuel, if Saul rather, sees Samuel uh, heading out of town, he's going to get suspicious. And when you think about it, Samuel has every right to be worried because essentially what he's doing is an act of treason. He's anointing a new king while Saul is still king. And so the Lord tells Samuel, he says, take a heifer to sacrifice. Well, what does that have to do with anything? You know, 
why take a heifer? To, you know, how's that going to get the heat off Samuel? Well, a few things you got to remember. First of all, is that Samuel is a Levitical judge. So he's from the tribe of Levi, and Levi is the priestly tribe of Israel. This is where all the priests come from, the tribe of Levi. And on top of that, Samuel was a judge. He meant he, he governed and he ruled uh, Israel at one time before they had a king. And he's also um, authorized to make uh, rulings and decisions in regards to the law. And so one of the things he had the authority to do, and this is coming out of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 21. We don't have time to go into all that, but you know what? We've all got a bit more time on our hands these days. So if you want to check it out, Deuteronomy chapter 21. But basically what it says is that he had the authority to sacrifice a heifer as part of a ritual that atoned for an unsolved murder committed in a rural area. Yeah, wrap your head around that. So basically what that means is, imagine you're out in the fields and you come across a dead body. And it clearly looks like there's been, um, you know, some, some mischief here. There's been, there's been uh, it's not an accidental death. Well, you don't have any chance of finding out who the murderer is most likely because, you know, they didn't have DNA tests and all that kind of stuff back then. So instead, what they could do is they could sacrifice, a priest could sacrifice this heifer and uh, this would atone for the sin of that murder. And so by the Lord telling Samuel to do this, it's not going to look suspicious. Saul's just going to think, oh, he's, he's off to... Um, you know, uh, sort out some, some issue in one of the rural areas. So verse 4, it tells us that Samuel did what the Lord said. Samuel did what the Lord said. And that's, that's a reminder to us that, you know, sometimes even when we're afraid, even when we're fearful and wondering why the Lord is calling us to a situation, often all that is needed is simple obedience. Simple obedience. If the Lord tells us to go, we go. If he says, I want you to do this, then we do it. We don't need to have all the information, all the answers ahead of time. But instead, we just we need to respond and we need to trust. So when Samuel shows up at Bethlehem, the elders look kind of nervous. Um, it says they trembled and they ask him, have you come peaceably? Do you come in peace? Um, you know, why would they have such a reaction? Well, remember, again, Samuel's a big deal. All right, he's a major prophet and he's, you know, counsel to the king and all this kind of stuff. So um, <clears throat> they thought maybe they're in trouble. Maybe, maybe Samuel's here because he's come to give some ruling or, you know, bring some judgment. Um, so that they're feeling guilty already. It's kind of like that feeling, you know, whenever you're driving in front of a police car and you're not doing anything wrong, but you automatically feel guilty just with a police car behind you. You know, you're paranoid, you're like, what did I do? I, uh, am I in trouble? You know, so same kind of deal here, I think, with the elders. But Samuel says, no, I'm not there to bring punishment or judgment. I'm actually here to make a sacrifice. And I want you to join me and consecrate yourself. Uh, to consecrate themselves, this would usually involve like a ritual, uh, a washing, which was a way of cleansing them. So... Here's where we're kind of going to get into the meat of the story now, because Samuel arrives at Jesse's house. And he's, first thing he does, he walks in and he sees Jesse's oldest son, Eliab. And immediately he thinks, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. And, you know, I, 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 love, I love Samuel's reaction here, because think about this. This is a guy who's seriously anointed by the Lord. Okay, major prophet, hears from the Lord all the time. He's got two books in the Bible with his name behind them, so to speak. And this is a, a man with godly wisdom, with discernment, you know, all the things we, we want for ourselves. And yet, what does he do? 
what does he do when he sees Eliab? He does, you know what he does? He does exactly what you and I would do. He judges by appearances. Right? Eliab was probably a good-looking guy. He was tall, strong, probably got the square jaw, you know, everything going on. And Samuel thinks, looks at him and thinks, this is king material right here. This has got to be the guy. And I get you, I bet you we would probably have the same kind of reaction. But the Lord sets him straight. And in fact, he sets him straight. It's one of the most profound verses in Scripture. I really do believe that. And, and it's really actually the central verse to this passage that we read this morning. It's verse 7. Listen to what he says. He says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And now listen, this is it. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. But we t- what, do we, what do we tend to look at? What are we impressed by? You know, more so than perhaps any other time in history, we are living in an age of unparalleled narcissism and fakeness. You feel it? Of course we feel it. We feel it all the time. What, what impresses us most? What, what does society tend to hold up? It's things like physical beauty, isn't it? Wealth, sports cars, big houses, successful careers. It's why we idolize Hollywood and sports celebrities and reality shows. And yet, what do all those, what do all those things have in common? What do they all have in common? You can be all those things and have a heart of stone. You can be wealthy, you can be successful, you can be uh, beautiful in, in appearance, and you can have a heart of stone. God doesn't care about how many wrinkles you have or how smooth your skin is. He doesn't care how many, how many zeros are in your bank balance. Hopefully there's more than one. He doesn't care how impressive you are to the world or how successful in business or finances or sport or music or TV. He doesn't care how many YouTube followers you have. He cares about your heart. What is going on inside your heart? What motivates you? Is it a love for God or is it a love for yourself? You know, it's interesting, this whole uh, coronavirus um, crisis that we're in right now, because one of the things about a crisis is it reveals the motives of the heart, doesn't it? It, it, it actually it brings out the worst in us and the best in us, doesn't it? Um, you know, we've all seen the stories of, of people hoarding uh, toilet paper. I, I, I have no idea why toilet paper is so precious right now, but <laughs> toilet paper. There's a story about a guy in Tennessee uh, just buying up all the hand sanitizer, over $18,000 worth of hand sanitizer, and then trying to sell them uh, at crazy prices on Amazon. You know, it, it can really bring out the worst in as you see people in supermarkets and the way they behave. And yet, it can also bring out the best in us in some amazing acts of kindness that we've been reading about. Um, and it really, it all comes down to the motives of your heart. What is going on in our hearts, each and every person? You know, and it's, we're in a time where it's, it's so important to reevaluate what is truly important, to ask what is going on in my heart today. 
the Lord looks at the heart and that's actually the true measure of a person. Your heart is the true measure of a person. What's, what's in your heart right now? Maybe there's fear and anxiety and worry. Well, I want to remind you that the Lord does not want us to fear or to worry. He doesn't want us in this indefinite place of fear and worry, just like he doesn't want us in that indefinite place of grief. You know, over 300 times in the Bible, we are told not to fear. Do you think maybe God is trying to tell us something there? That his word is peppered with some variance on do not fear, do not worry. And Jesus himself, he makes a really big point of this. In Matthew chapter 26, listen to what Jesus says in, in verse 27. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? This is Jesus, the God of the universe speaking to us. And he goes on in verse 31. He says, um, so do not worry. He says, what, sh what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows what you need, folks. He already knows what you need. He's saying, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. But instead, what does he say we should do? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek him first. This is a perfect opportunity to seek him in the midst of this where we're hold up, where we're hold up and don't know what to do with all that time. I'll tell you what we can do. Get on your knees. Get the Bible open. Reach out to him. And Jesus, he finishes off. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. That's right. Tomorrow will worry about itself. And he finishes by saying, each day has enough trouble of its own. What's in your heart? What is in your heart? Is it faith or is it fear? As we return to the story here, Samuel makes his way through all of Jesse's sons. And he says, is this all of them? Because so far he's not getting any clear word from the Lord that any of these are, are king material. And Jesse says, well, actually, I, do, I have one more son. He's, uh, he's just a, a, a little thing in the field uh, tending the sheep. He's, he's a shepherd, the youngest of the family. Think about that. He was, he was considered so unimportant that he wasn't even invited to, uh, to the party, so to speak, to, to be considered. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's obviously not going to be him. So we're going to leave him in, the, in the, the field with the sheep. But in the end, David, the youngest of the family, ends up being the chosen one, the anointed one of the Lord. Listen to verse 13. It says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, this is so cool, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And that brings us to one last point here, which is that in these difficult times that we are in, it's, it's a reminder. I want to remind you of this, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit residing, living in you. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that means that you have the choice to walk in faith, not fear. We cannot walk in fear. We have to feed our faith. If we feed our faith, it will starve our fear. What's in your heart? Is it faith or is it fear? You know, things 
will probably change again this week. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what kind of new things are going to be put into place this week. But I want to encourage you, do not fear. Do not fear. Have faith. Stand firm with faith in your heart and stand on the promises of God who over 300 times reminds us not to fear. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you have given us one of power, Lord, of love. And I pray that um, as we go into this week, you would be with us, each and every one of us, Lord, um, with us knowing that you are by our side, that you, uh, Lord, you're holding our hand through this. And, and you, will, you will carry us through this, Lord. I pray that your peace would come upon us all this week, Lord. And that we would not uh, waste this opportunity to show your love to our neighbours, Lord. To show them the gospel in action. Lord, speak to our hearts, um, inspiring us ways uh, to reach out to our brothers and sisters, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would, you would bless us through this week. And protect us, keep us safe from all sickness, from all illness, Lord. I pray your protection over us in this coronavirus, that it would not come near one of your faithful, but that we would um, be perfectly in health. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. And so before we, uh, before we finish up here, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the service that um, uh, Devereaux, our uh, Worship Arts Director, him and Ella got married on Tuesday. Uh, we moved the date up because um, uh, just the changing events that are going on. And they had a wonderful, really uh, cute wedding. We kept it under 25, um, but they are now Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Geiger. So uh, Deborah's taking the week off this week. Um, and so it's just been me and Sarah, my, my amazing wife, who uh, you heard singing there and also is my technical assistant. She's behind the scenes making sure everything is, is running smoothly. So. Um, we'll be in touch with you throughout the week um, keep the faith stand firm remember that stand firm we will get through this and how amazing is it going to be to actually worship together again in the house of the Lord so until then we'll be live streaming check your emails read your emails um, and finally let's let's pray let's pray the benediction I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you and the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless folks. If you need anything, you know where to find me. I'm here for you all as your pastor. Um, and I'm keeping you all in my prayers. Take care.